is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. To hear this and other episodes ad-free, listener shout-outs, and more, help support the show through our official Patreon at patreon.com slash bleedersdigest. That's D-I-E-G-E-S-T. The following contains mature subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. Digest issue number 43. My daughter was in a terrible car accident, and I'm afraid something even worse is wrong with her. Written by Maggie Myers. Samantha never spoke on the phone when she drove. Ever. I guess that was the first indicator that something was wrong. Though Charles wouldn't hear me out on that particular subject. He thought it was easier to write it off with a simple hand gesture. It doesn't matter what caused the accident. It just matters that she's going to make it through. I warned him that something was wrong, but he just never listened. His failure to communicate always ended in issues when it came to us. But please, let me back up here so that you too can understand what went wrong with Samantha. Our little girl was different from other children. Yeah, every parent can say that, I know. But to actually mean it, to know they will never fit in with the rest and be completely beyond them in intelligence, classic beauty and patience, well, that was our Samantha. And we knew he had something special. Charles and I spent 12 years of our lives together before we decided that a child was in our best interest. Even with all the pushing from family that we would have a beautiful child and that we wouldn't regret it. They were right in both ways, which we'd never have known until we fused our DNA and found out for ourselves. And thus, we bring Samantha into the picture. The early days of Samantha's life are somewhat irrelevant aside from the fact that she brought us the utmost of peace. She gave us a reason to work towards our goals and shoot for the sky when it came to our professions and what we did outside of work as a family. We bought the house of our dreams to raise our little girl in. We worked together like a union to never be broken. As Samantha aged, she turned into something we could be proud of right in front of our very eyes. She worked above and beyond the rest of her class, taking home grades simply unheard of in comparison with what her father and I achieved when we were her age. Families simply found themselves asking her, where'd you get those smarts? Typically, we would have been offended, but this is what we strove for as parents. We wanted her to be everything and more. When peer pressure dissolved into the lives of her best friends, Samantha did everything in her nature to move on. It was ninth grade when she found out Felicity was using cocaine at parties. And aside from the fact that it was the hardest decision she's ever made in her life, she took responsibility and told her best friend that she couldn't be around her anymore. It was 10th grade when she got her first boyfriend and brought him home for dinner with us. And when he didn't so much as thank us for the food we made him, we overlooked it as a kid being a kid. But Samantha was the one who the very next day said over dinner, I don't think Lucas is best for me. Did you see how he forgot his manners last night? Samantha had insight most adults only wish they had. 
including me. I was so proud of her. When Samantha turned 17, she didn't ask us for her first cell phone, which is something most children growing up with her had had since they were 14 years old, even though it was clear that their parents were the ones paying for their technology time. No. Samantha took initiative, went out, worked long hours at a local pizza shop while simultaneously attending school and after-school activities as well. Did her father and I think that a cell phone was a bad idea? Not at all. Samantha was strong, independent, and responsible above all. We knew her time would be spent on important things. And we were right. Even when she obtained her cell phone and made her monthly bill payments, she never allowed it to get in the way of her family time. We never had to tell her no texting at the dinner table or, I think you've had enough hours on the phone today. Why don't we spend some time together? We barely ever saw the thing. She continued to throw pigskin with her father after he got home from work and do dishes at night without us asking. Samantha was always wonderful like that. You can imagine the surprise when we received the phone call saying our daughter was going to be brought home to us in a body cast. Reason being, the very cell phone she'd bought all by herself. But please, let me back up again and fill you in on the details surrounding the worst day of our lives. We got the phone call at four in the afternoon on Saturday. It came up as a number we didn't recognize on my cell. I answered, despite the fact that I typically didn't take calls from numbers I didn't know. Charles was sitting beside me on the couch with a magazine to his face, and the drone of the television continued on playing some cooking show in the background. Hello? I answered warily, and immediately a soft-spoken voice answered. My heart instantly fell out of my chest, and immediately Samantha came to mind. You see, Samantha was all sorts of wrapped up in her new college freshman life. She was making some amazing friends, telling us all sorts of stories when she came home on the weekends to relax. Though she was only an hour away from home, this was an entirely new experience for her, and something she'd always wanted to do with her life. I tried to sputter a reply, but the voice continued on. The lady introduced herself as somebody who worked at a hospital that was a halfway point between our home and Samantha's university. Apparently, Samantha had gotten into an accident two days prior to us receiving the phone call. We typically didn't hear from our daughter for days at a time if she was wrapped up in an important lesson or meeting, so this didn't really take us by surprise. Samantha had reportedly been talking on the phone when the accident occurred, dropped it on the floor, reached down to pick it up, while simultaneously slamming headfirst into another car. The driver in the SUV was immediately pulled from the vehicle and only sustained a broken leg. But Samantha was in bad condition. Apparently, they had discovered her ID and placed her to our home two days after the accident when a police officer returned to the scene. Why her ID was outside the vehicle? We don't know. Now... A few things started to fall into places shifty as I listened to the voice drone on and on, begging for my daughter all the while wondering what I could do. The first was the fact that the nurse said they would be delivering Samantha directly to us that afternoon. If she were in such bad condition, why would she be coming home so early to heal in an at-home setting? Where anything could go wrong, we could have no control over it, the second issue was that we weren't allowed to pick up any medical records or learn about the accident or any other driver involved until weeks later, according to what we're told. And the third issue, albeit a far stretch at the time, was the fact that Samantha never used her phone while driving. 
to avoid issues, she claimed she constantly put it in the back seat so it was out of reach and out of temptation. Occasionally, we would call her to tell her something important, only for Samantha to call us back like an hour later and pipe up. Sorry, I was on the road. What important call would cause her to answer the phone while driving? Charles and I patiently awaited the delivery of our 18-year-old pride and joy, wondering how life would be for the next couple of months. We never expected what we received. When 7.30 p.m. rolled around, there was a knock at the door. I flew up off the couch like a bat out of hell and headed towards it, where I was greeted by a younger lady that looked to be in her 30s. She had a welcoming, sweet look on her face. She motioned towards a white van with the hospital's name printed on the side of it and told us her daughter was waiting for us. She told us that we certainly would be a bit overwhelmed at first, but that in time, everything would go back to how it was supposed to be. Opening the door to the van, we would never have expected to see our Samantha, our pride and joy inside a full plaster body cast. Oh, Samantha! I shrieked and dropped to my knees. I can't believe this is our Samantha! The nurse wheeled Samantha out of the vehicle and into the house on her metal hospital bed and sat her in the hallway before returning to us. Only one eye was an indicator that our daughter was alive and well staring back at us. Every piece of her beautiful skin was covered by cast. That bloodshot red eye stared out at us with a fury of misunderstanding as if she had no idea what was going on. We were instructed to give her medicine for the next two days. And at the end of the second day, the in-home nurse would return to the house to check on her and see what kind of progress she was making. They believed an in-home setting would be the best recovery option available. As Samantha seemed to be getting better and her condition would likely improve greatly over the next couple of weeks. They assured us that she was lucky to be alive staring at her in the hallway with her back to us. I didn't know how lucky she could possibly be. The first couple of hours proved to be utterly difficult when it came to taking care of an 18-year-old in a body cast. For years, Samantha had been the utmost independent girl we knew for her age. And now she had to rely on us for everything. Under Samantha's blanket, her groin area was somewhat uncovered. But for the first couple of hours, she refused to use the bathroom. I asked her if she needed to go which she grunted in return. I asked again, we have to work together here. If you have to, grunt once. If you don't, grunt twice. Are you sure about that? The nurse told us you hadn't gone in hours. Are you just saying that because you don't want us to have to clean up after you? If you have to go, grunt twice. Then please just go to the bathroom, Samantha. You're going to have to get used to us taking care of you. She listened. The first night we heard Samantha weeping as best she could from down the hallway. She seemed to love staring at the shadows her light cast on the wall as it moved and displayed pictures of horses, her favorite animals since she was a little girl. She seemed mentally sound aside from the fact that she was unable to communicate with us to the best of her ability. She realized what a dark situation she would be in and that it meant you'd have to depend on your parents entirely, just as if you were reverting back to the early days of childhood. I could tell it drained her entirely. More of Bleeder's Digest, issue number 43. 
My daughter was in a terrible car accident, and I'm afraid something even worse is wrong with her. After this. She realized what a dark situation she would be in, and that it meant you'd have to depend on your parents entirely, just as if you were reverting back to the early days of childhood. I could tell it drained her entirely. In the middle of the night, I awoke to a start from what I believe must have been a nightmare. I got my wits about myself, and I just realized it must have been a dream. I caught my husband frozen in what appeared to be shock next to me in bed. Just as I was about to ask him what had awoken him, I followed his line of sight to the doorway. The bedroom door was open just a crack, maybe two inches at the most, but you can make out two inches of a hospital bed lit up by the dim light in the hallway. A small section of a wheel was made available in the light as well, which confirmed our fears. Samantha's bed was right outside the door and neither of us had put it there. Charles slowly turned to me and pointed, and I nodded to confirm that I saw it as well. He awoke more fully and climbed out of bed as slowly as possible, not to make any noise. He continued to tiptoe across the bedroom floor. Those few moments seemed like a lifetime to me. And just as he made it to the door, he creaked it towards us as we both seemingly held our breath. The door flew open in entirety and the light from the hallway took our eyes by surprise. But when I was able to focus, my shock immediately met my husband's. There was no hospital bed in sight. Charles and I both headed down the hallway, our feet pounding like two burglars searching the house for any money or valuables. When we arrived at Samantha's door, it was just as we left it. Halfway open as to allow us a little bit of light into a room as she liked it. Samantha was lying there in her hospital bed, that terrible bloodshot eye staring back at us. We never found out if we had woken her by pounding down the hallway, or if she just never slept anymore. We didn't ask her. We simply shared a look at one another and headed back to bed, never to speak a word of it again. The next day, the previous night stuck in my mind. I continued on with my daily life. I'd taken off work so I could care for our daughter to the best of my abilities, but I wasn't sure where I was going to go from there. This day-to-day -day lifestyle wasn't going to work out, so, so I'd have to look into employing somebody to care for her during my work hours. I was doing the dishes when all of a sudden a rank smell entered my nostrils. It just floated by. The smell was awful, yet alluring calling me forward to its presence. It was coming from the hallway. More so the back of the hallway, headed straight for Samantha's bedroom. It didn't take me long to place the smell. It smelled of rotten eggs. Samantha? I asked in a low voice as I headed down the hallway, slinging my kitchen towel over my shoulder. Samantha? You okay back there? I'm on my way. My feet shuffled in front of me. I realized something was very wrong, but knowing I would get no rest until I got to the bottom of it. 
It was then that I heard the banging. The clashing of a hospital bed against the floor in an unnatural way that would have been impossible of my bedridden daughter. I floored into gear and ran down the hallway full force until I heard the front door open and my husband calling my name. Brenda! Honey, I think something's wrong with Samantha! Oh, gosh. Ugh, what smells like sulfur? We flung open the door to our daughter's bedroom to see. Samantha laying there. Not a care in the world. Eyes finally closed. The moment we began walking into the room, her eyes shot open to meet ours. She let out a grunt and snapped them shut again. Blink away the dust of sleep. Are you okay, Samantha? One grunt for yes and two for no. He leaned over to check her bedpan. Empty. The sulfur smell was dissipating quickly and it seemed to be coming from nowhere at all. Later that day, my husband and I were discussing options and what we would bring up to an in-home nurse the next day. We had specific questions concerning what would happen to our daughter if we took the leap to return to work while she was in her condition and finding the best overall caretaker for her every need while she recovered. It was a leap we had to make and a very important question dwelling in our minds. Suddenly, my husband's voice turned into a hush whisper, something Samantha wouldn't be able to hear. Do you think something seems odd about our daughter? Charles, what are you talking about? I fed into the question, even knowing that it made sense. Something didn't seem right about our daughter who we knew so well before this accident. Well, I've thought about it. It it just seems odd, to say the least, that she was in an accident using her cell phone. You, You don't find that odd? I was thinking the same thing, in fact. Charles nodded, taking in the atmosphere around him. Peace and quiet as Samantha slept. Her television wasn't even on and the house remained silent around us. There's just some concerns, but maybe everything will be better when she's on the road to recovery. I guess it's just a matter of working with her. You may be right. Maybe I should speak to her about the fact that we both need to return to work and invest our time to get back on track. (laughs) Just, you know, alert her to the fact that we have an in-home nurse here with her and that she's nothing to be concerned about. You go right ahead and do that. I'll go start the laundry. As I made my way back down the hall to Samantha's room, I noticed the hallway took on a form of onyx black that had never seemed to before. Maybe I didn't realize these things before. The things that stood out so perfectly now that our world has taken a dip downward. An accident that left our little girl in shambles and worked to destroy such a big part of our lives at that time. When I entered Samantha's room, there were two things I noticed immediately. The first thing was that she was already looking at the door as if she expected me. Her eyebrows furrowed with concern. The second thing was that she didn't have the warm, friendly aura that I expected from Samantha. I got the sudden chill. But I entered the room anyway. Making sure to keep the door cracked all the way open. I walked up to her hospital bed and gave her a hello with a nod, to which she returned by blinking. Samantha, 
I have to talk to you about some things which you don't have to respond to. I just, I want you to understand, okay? These injuries are going to take a lot of transitioning for us all as you make your recoveries. And Samantha? That's right! Did! I said did! Charles, come in here! But as soon as I turned my back to my daughter, her eyes were closed. She was fast asleep. Charles entered the room only seconds later. A frazzled expression on his face. Samantha was talking! She repeated a word I said. She said did! I swear she said it! Honey, I think Samantha is sleeping. She needs her rest. Why don't you just talk to her in the morning? I swear to God, Charles, she repeated me. She was grunting what sounded to me like random jumbled letters, and then she re- she repeated me. I swear. My husband took his hand from our daughter and placed it on my shoulder. You know what? You should get some sleep tonight, too. You've been through a lot. I'm going to go finish the laundry. And with that, he turned around and exited the room as quickly as he had arrived. Before I left the room myself, I turned around to take one last look at my daughter. I swear she opened her eye and winked at me. I imagine my daughter gurgling away in her jumble speech, even in my dreams that night. Looking back, I remember how distraught I felt even staying in the same house with her after how wrong everything seemed. It didn't feel like I was sharing the house with my family anymore. It felt like there was a stranger among us. Somebody changed by the hand they were dealt. Everything about her was off. And I might have possibly been the only one to see it at the time. Charles retained so much hope for her. Maybe in the end I was the one who was crazy. I woke up thinking about this and watching the rise and fall of my husband's chest when, at 6am, there was a knock at the door. It was a familiar knock, I just couldn't place. Charles awoke with a start, turning to meet my surprised gaze. Visitors at six in the morning? It's unheard of for us. What's going on? That's why you can imagine my surprise and how I stood, frozen at six in the morning, as my husband pulled back the front door and Samantha was staring at us from the porch. She had tears streaking down her face and her phone trembling in her hand. Quickly, the floor let out from under me and I crashed in a heap, wailing that my daughter was home. My mind was an instant flurry of thoughts clustered all together at once, overwhelming me, keeping me from running at once to my dear Samantha and inviting her in for the biggest hug of her life. And as soon as the thoughts came streaming in, the final thought took hold. If my daughter was standing in the doorway, who was in her bedroom? Samantha sobbed her delicate cry. I tried calling you guys 20 times over the past two days and you never answered. I had no choice but to stay and finish up my finals, but I was so worried about you. Then I was driving home from college today and I got to thinking terrible thoughts about how something may have happened to both of you and I may be too late. You know how much I worry about you, Mom and Dad. Charles attempted to sputter out, but he turned to me. I knew he was thinking the very same thing. 
He immediately grabbed my phone and called the hospital that Samantha was supposedly staying at. Meanwhile, I was already halfway back down the hallway, darting towards our daughter's bedroom. I flung open the door and walked right up to the hospital bed. Just as I peered down at our daughter's body cast, I realized it was empty. Further inspection showed me that it was ripped open from behind. Whatever was inside there had torn through the metal backing of the hospital bed, which is now laying in pieces scattered all over Samantha's floor. The body cast was empty. The bed was destroyed. Mom? Mom, what's going on? What is this? Honey, the hospital's phone has been disconnected. It appears there's never even been a hospital at all! Samantha's eyes became solid white. Mom and Dad, were you tricked into harboring a shadow demon? They feed and fester on grief, you fucking whores. My daughter was in a terrible car accident, and I'm afraid something even worse is wrong with her. Written by Maggie Myers, featuring Chrissy Fox as Brenda, Addison Peacock as Samantha, Trevor Shand as Charles, Megan Holliday as The Nurse. Engineering production and sound design by Trevor Shand. Theme music by Tyler Connolly, Chrissy Fox, and Trevor Shand. Bleeder's Digest is created and curated by Spider One. Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeder's Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.